Good morning. I have to tell you, it's really nice talking to people. Hey, you know, you heard that, that saying like, blessed are the flexible for they will bend and not break. And um, I feel like we've had to like go through so many layers of adjustments. So it's like, you know, we learned to talk into a camera, which is a little more challenging. And now the people came back and now we're learning to do both. So to those who are joining us online, we're so grateful that you're here. But I'm also really, really grateful that there's people in the room. Um, anyways, I, I, just, I just first want to say I'm so grateful for how this house has carried and demonstrated Jesus in this last season. And just seeing so many displays, in, especially in generosity, um, I, the generosity of this house, both towards Northgate, even while we, we couldn't gather, continuing towards the building, into the Benevolence Fund, people just showing up and bringing food and blessing one another. I, I just, I, it's so the display of Jesus in the flesh. And I think that's just continued to bless us week after week after week. And I, I just want to say thank you, Northgate, for that display in that way. And, and it is such an interesting season. It's such an interesting season. And, and I remember Tom Dunn um, prophesying back last year, like this real shaking and the everything that, that can be shaken will be shaken. And, and I don't think any of us could ever thought that it would look like suddenly where we are right now. And, and I just want to share, um, Bill Johnson posted a quote um, on his Facebook this last week, which you know, there is a lot going on on Facebook right now that I do not like. So when I find things on Facebook that actually is like, speaks the heart of Jesus and really encourages me, I'm like, oh, oh, thank you. So this is from a book written over 100 years ago on the Welsh Revival. It is ever the darkest hour before the dawn. The nation seems to be given over to the evil one before the coming of the Son of Man. The decay of religious faith, the deadness of the churches, the atheism of the well-to-do, the brutality of the masses, all these when at their worst herald the approach of the revival. Things seem to get too bad to last. The reign of evil becomes intolerable. Then the soul of the nation awakes. Then the soul of the nation awakes. And I just feel like, you know, there's just the cry that's coming out for revival. God, we have a spiritual problem that has to be solved through a spiritual answer. And can we just take a minute, for those of you who are at home, for those of you in the room, just in your heart, like just stir up that cry. God, let the soul of our nation awake. God, we need you. God, there is answers that only you can supply. We need the breakthrough that comes from heaven. So, God, we're asking again for revival in our land. We're asking again for revival, Jesus. It, you know, it, and we're in the prayer room. You know, the prayer room is open. You don't have to come when we're there. We're there Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, 9.30 to 10.30. I know that that's not a great time for everybody, but it just, like, being anchored in the place of prayer is always, always, always important, but so important in this season that we're anchoring ourselves in the place of prayer and intercession. So I just want to encourage you, if you can, to join us in the prayer room. Okay, 
So we're going to talk from Romans 12. We actually started a, a, a series a few weeks ago. And we just talked about like coming back to this, you know, the series that we started all the way back in January about the way of Jesus and the challenge that was before us of are we followers of Jesus? Are we apprentices under him? Are we following in his lifestyle. And on that um, first week, I asked a question. I said, you know, I feel like there's a really important question that's happening in this hour um, to the capital C church, not just Northgate, but it's, am I an attender of a church or am I a disciple of Jesus? Because it's going to look really different depending on the answer to that question. Am I an attender of a church or am I a disciple of Jesus? And, and um, because when we're a disciple of Jesus, there, it looks like something, right? It looks like a transformed life. And so we talked about from Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I urge you, therefore, brethren, if it looks really awkward how I'm holding my Bible, it feels really awkward, just, but it's too heavy for the music stand. <laughs> I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed by the world, to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. Be tr- Can you say transformed? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And we just talked about how when we're a disciple of Jesus, when we're a follower of Jesus, what happens? We become the living sacrifice. It's me on the altar. It's me. I lay my life down. I present myself back to God. Here I am, God. And then something begins to happen that we get transformed on the inside. That was the word metamorpho, like, the, like how a, a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. An absolute, complete transformation through the renewing of our mind. He begins to change the way we think. He begins to change the way we see the world. But then it goes into an external expression. So transformation happens on the inside, but it always looks like something on the outside. So after we go through the transforming of the mind, what happens? The the will of God, that which is perfect, pleasing, and acceptable, gets proven through my life. So what we're looking for as disciples of Jesus is that that is the cycle that I'm ever engaged in. I am a living sacrifice. I am getting transformed on the outside. And it's coming out as an outward expression. You know, and, and, and just that... That boils sometimes down to our daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes moment-by-moment choices. You know, I don't know if any of you managed to catch, I I did a, during um, a Bible study time that we've been doing online through this whole lockdown, um, Hope and I did it this week together. And and I just love, I mean, what she had to say was phenomenal, but I loved how she shared there was this point where she said, oh, she was like, oh, I was mad. I was mad, right? In the, in the way that only hope can. And you're like, I, and, but then she said, but I, I just, I had to pour it out to Jesus. You know, I had to get, she's like, she gets up at four o'clock in the morning 
spends time with the Lord so that she can hand over her emotion so that she can go, but I'm going to be a peacemaker. That's living sacrifice. That's I lay myself down. I lay my reactions, my emotions, my valid emotions down. But I am going to conform to the way of Jesus so I will be transformed internally and I'm going to come out different and then it looks like something. Right? And, and so, so that, that, that whole thing was about how inner transformation always has an outward expression. And that outward expression is described in the rest of Romans 12. And, and so I'm going to pick up um, what, where we wanted to teach from this week. So 3 verses 8, Romans 12, 3 verses 8. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service and serving, of he who teaches in the teaching, of he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I know that that's a big chunk of Scripture, and I, I just I want to break it down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I just I lo- I want to say this. I love how God works. Because we, we had already decided to preach through Romans 12. We, we, we had a kind of schedule lined out. Um, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's like, man, God was already speaking a scripture that was really important to declare in a season where certain things come to light. And I just love that this week we landed on, for though the, through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allocated each measure of faith. And I feel like, you know, what happens when we go through the renewing of our mind is the first place that inner transformation is going to address is that it is not all about me. The first thing that's going to get challenged is the me-centered, self-focused ego of me. You know, it's really easy. It's really easy to make it about me. You know, it's really easy to try and build a world that revolves around me. To be honest, I, I was thinking even this morning as we were singing, I'm going to see a victory. It's really easy to think that victory looks like what is best for me. And I think the, the challenges that we are facing right now, the division that has entered into our nation, the challenge that we as a church have to face is so often because somewhere along the way we lost sight of sober judgment in how we evaluate ourselves. We put 
an agenda or an opinion or something that suited me better at the center. And what happened when we do that? We turned against somebody else. And division enters into the room. And it makes me want to come back to, do you know what the first victory is? The victory of the conquered soul. The victory of the soul that went and got on the altar and allowed the inner transformation that said, actually, this life isn't about me anymore. And I love this quote from a book that I'm reading. It says, pride takes the form of refusing to be small before God and refusing to recognize properly our interconnection with others. Pride takes the form of refusing to be small before God and refusing to recognize properly our interconnection with others. And I have to admit, when I, I first was going through Romans 12 and, and you know, I'm processing this idea of inward transformation having an outward expression, I was really surprised that Paul went into the gifts so soon in the passage. I was like, if I was writing it, that's not necessarily where I would have gone. Right? I, I would have slightly done it in a different order. And I actually wanted to just preach on the passage, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. And actually, first of all, proposed skipping the whole gift section and moving on. Like, let love with be without hypocrisy. Let's go there. You know, and, and Dennis actually was like, no, we can't. Because verse 3 is actually connected to the rest of those verses. As in, when you have been conquered by God and me and self gets laid down on the altar, what happens is when I don't think more highly of myself than I ought, I actually begin to see myself in connection with other people. And those two actually cannot be separated. Which is why what Paul is saying is when you actually go through that process, I now see myself as grafted in to a family. I have been brought into a family. I have not just joined a denomination. I have not become an attender of a church. I have been grafted into a family. And because I have a direct connection with Jesus... I have a direct connection with everybody in the family. And I actually can't separate the two. You know you, how, how it says our love for Jesus is displayed by our love for one another? You actually cannot see yourself in Christ outside of seeing yourself as positioned within the family of Christ. And the danger is, is if we start doing that, it's because somewhere along the way, I forgot to do the thing about seeing myself with sober judgment, right? And when I begin to separate myself, when I begin to accuse, when I begin to withdraw, when I begin to do all of those things, it's probably because I forgot to not think more highly of myself than I ought, but what Paul is going on to say is when we see ourselves correctly, when the inner transformation goes on, I see my connection to Jesus and I see my connection to the family. And then he's saying, and everybody in the family has a gift that they are supposed to steward for the benefit of them all. 
Everybody in the family has a gift that they are supposed to steward for the benefit of them all. And this, this is kingdom thinking. It's not the only place you will find it in the Bible. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be the one who serves from the heart. Right? And, and so this, we've come full circle around like the desire to live me-centered. It's all about me. I'm going to be great to a full flipped on its head kingdom thinking that greatness in the kingdom is when I serve from the heart. And so one of the indications that I have been transformed is that I steward that which has been given to me for the benefit of the family. For the benefit of the family. You know, I want to deal real quickly. Verse 3. When Paul says, by the grace given me, I say every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Do you know that word actually means coming to your right mind? Sound judgment. They they use the word for the demoniac in the Gospels when he returned to sanity. Right? Coming into your right mind, when you're in the right mind, you see yourself correctly in connection to other people. But he says, this this thing has always confused me. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Well, I found that confusing. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Because the way that sounds to me is according to how much faith God has given you is how good you're going to be at this business. So the people who, who, you know, maybe use their gifts really well, well, good job. God gave you more faith. Now, there's a problem with that interpretation. What's the problem? No personal responsibility. You know, it made me, it reminded me, Aaron and I were youth pastors many years ago when we were younger and had more energy. And, um, and we had a, a youth in our youth group who used to drink probably three to four energy drinks a day. It's terrifying. And I remember talking to him about it. Like, this is so, like, he didn't like to drink water. Can you imagine? I mean, just, just allow yourself to be horrified for a second. No water, three to four energy drinks a day. Yes. And I remember talking to him about it. Like, this is damaging for your health. And he said, you know what? If it makes me sick, God will heal me. Are you right? You can feel the backwardness of that thinking. And that would be the same way we would potentially apply that. Well, if God gives me a greater measure of faith, God gives me a greater measure of faith, then I'll prophesy more. When God gives me a greater measure of faith, I'll be more generous. Well, it's not actually what it says. I have good news. It's not what it says. When you actually dive into what does that mean, he's actually talking about the way that you use your gifts as a measuring tool for your faith. As in, my faith is measured by how I use the gifts that I've been given. He's given you a measuring tool. Am I in faith? Am I proving through my life that which is good, pleasing, and acceptable? Well, do you want to know? Go have a look. How am I stewarding that which I have been given 
for the benefit of somebody else. Then you'll know. Right? So what is he saying is my faith is demonstrated by how I act. Well, that sounds very biblical, doesn't it? That sounds consistent with what's said in other places. My faith shows up when I operate the way that God intends me to operate. My faith shows up when I steward my gifts in a way that blesses God and benefits others. My faith shows up and I become a manifestation of His will. You know, and it's very, very practical. You know, gifts are of no value when they're not used. One of the things that when I moved to the States that I loved was you can take anything back here. That's not true. In New Zealand, you can't do that. So if somebody gives you a gift that you don't like, you're stuck with it. You know, so that thing sits on the shelf somewhere or whatever. It's like your gift is your gift and you are stuck with it. And then you get to decide what you're going to do with it. In the States, anything goes back. You're like, it's basically the same as giving me cash. If you, if you don't like it, you gave me cash. Thank you. I'll go take it back and get something I want. But, you know, so here it's kind of like, man, your gift is of value to me, whether I don't like it or whether I do. But not where I grew up. I grew up with the, like, you, you know, this is, you, you get what you get. Now, what are you going to do with it? Right? And, and, and so it brings us to this place of personal responsibility. I love personal responsibility messages. And, 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 and here's the deal. The expression of our gifts do not only belong on a Sunday gathering. Obviously, Sunday gatherings happen because of people's willingness to express their gift. And we so appreciate that people serve and they greet and they usher and, and generosity gets expressed. And, and I don't want to take that away. But the expression of our gift is a stewardship every day of the week as I see myself viewed rightly connected to God and with a responsibility towards everybody else. And I love, I love that that ha- actually happens in this house. We see it all the time. I love that Gabe and our youth were out at K Down's house on Friday doing the hard work, getting it cleaned up because her sister called and said, can you help us? And we can go through different examples like that, where meals have gone, where generosity has been expressed, where people have shown up to serve other people in need. You know, it is very, very practical, but it's really important that when we look at ourselves through the personal responsibility for our gifts, we're not just viewing it about a Sunday morning. We're viewing it as a lifestyle. We're viewing it as a lifestyle. And so here's... Here's basically the fullness of the thought. That I'm going to summarize it, and then um, I'm going to leave you some questions that I want you to think about, okay? So here's the deal. When I am a disciple of Jesus, when I follow Jesus, I, I offer myself 
as a living sacrifice. I start there. And here's the deal. That's obedience first. It's obedience before knowledge. Did you notice that? I, so in obedience, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. When that happens, I start to get transformed. I get transformed by the renewing of my mind, that, which always manifests in an outward expression. So I start seeing myself differently. Self gets laid down. The way my mind begins to change is I see myself in context of connection to other people. I am not more important than anybody else. I am a part of something bigger than myself. And then I choose to delight God and express my faith by stewarding what he's given me to bless other people. And my faith is measured by how well I do this. There's your summary. Romans 12, 1 through 8. So here's, here's the questions that I want to leave people with. You know, do I know what my gifts are? Do I know what my gifts are? Do I know what it is that God has given me that I'm called to steward on behalf of other people? Do I know what it is that I contribute? So do I know what my gifts are? My second question, am I using them in faith? I think the word that Paul used was exercise. Those things are supposed to be exercised. It is hard sometimes. But those things are supposed to be exercised, and I think just the more we exercise them, it's the same as anything else. The stronger we get. So am I using that which has been given me to bless others? Third question. Is there any way that I am being more actively called to exercise my gift? Is there any way that I'm being more actively called to exercise my gift? And then finally, is there anything specific in this season? You know, in this season where there's a lot being stirred up, when there's a lot being shaken, when there's a lot of pain being expressed, when there is a lot of opinions flying backwards and forwards, I want to go, you know, Scripture always has the pathway that lays out ahead of us. And it, it, it is a great time to go put myself on the altar. God, I'm going to lay back down. I'm going to let you challenge the way I think. I'm going to let you put me in perspective of I am interconnected to the family, including brothers and sisters who think very differently than me and who have had a very different experience than me. Help me see myself in context with sober judgment, with the mind of Christ. And then, God, is there anything you have given me that I can contribute right now that would Delight your heart and bless somebody else. Because I think that that's a lot what victory is going to start to look like in this season. So, 
Can we pray? Hmm. So Jesus, I just, I thank you for this family. I thank you for this family who is generous in their giving and who is generous in their, in their use of their gifts and who do genuinely care for one another. But God, we just ask for increase. We ask for increase in that process of the transforming in the inside. God, we ask that you continue to make us in your image and likeness. And I just ask that that would continue to have an outward expression. And God, I love that love gets to triumph, that evil is overcome with good. And so God, I ask that through us, you would teach us what good looks like and through us, you would express it in a way that does overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand together. Good word, Carla. Amen. Personal responsibility. That's a good word. We all take responsible for ourselves. Come on. Yeah. Hey, just want to bless you and come into agreement with the shalom over your house out there on the internet. We, your love. You're welcome to come tonight. We'd love to see more of you. Um, we bless you in that decision itself. And uh, thank you for just, like, hanging out with us today. God bless. See you soon. Bye.